The Cape Cod Climate Action Podcast Series will follow the work of the Cape Cod Commission and its community partners as we work together as one Cape to build resiliency in our region. The natural beauty, environmental resources, and historic character of Cape Cod have made the region a globally recognized destination. But what makes us unique also makes us vulnerable to the impacts of climate change. As an agency charged with protecting the unique values and quality of life on Cape Cod and balancing the quality of our shared environment and sustainable economic progress, the Cape Cod Commission recognizes the need to help build more resilient communities capable of withstanding the effects of climate change today and minimizing its impacts in the future. The Cape Cod Commission is in the process of creating Cape Cod's first-ever Climate Action Plan, a strategic framework that details the policies, measures, and activities our community will take to reduce greenhouse gas emissions and track progress. Research and review of existing climate action plans is an important step in the process. Cape Cod Commission staff reviewed a number of state, regional, and local climate action plans, and in this episode, we're talking about that research, the important elements of a climate action plan, and the process moving forward. I'm pleased to welcome Erin Perry, Deputy Director of the Cape Cod Commission, Heather McElroy, Cape Cod Commission Natural Resources Program Manager, and Sean O'Rourke, Stormwater and Resiliency Director for the Rhode Island Infrastructure Bank. Sean also serves as the Chief Resilience Officer to Rhode Island Governor Gina Raimondo and assisted in creating the Climate Action Plan for the state of Rhode Island. Thank you all so much for being here today. And so Erin, we will start with you. Why does Cape Cod need a Climate Action Plan? Sure. Thank you, Sarah. Uh, climate change is a key challenge for Cape Cod. Our natural systems, our, our built infrastructure, and all of the people, both residents and visitors, are, are at significant risk. We're completely surrounded by water. We're incredibly vulnerable to sea level rise, storm surge and flooding, erosion, and then other storm-induced hazards. Climate change is projected to make these impacts more severe moving forward, putting our already vulnerable region at further risk. The hazards that we face and that we know will worsen in the future have the potential to cause loss of life, damage buildings and infrastructure, impair our coastal environments, and in a variety of ways impact our community's economic, social, and environmental well-being. As an example, uh, we know that under existing conditions, flooding alone threatens more than 19% of the region's land area. That has a combined assessed value of more than $16 billion and includes more than 13,000 single-family homes, 1,500 inventoried historic structures, and 1,400 businesses that are located within the floodplain. In addition, we've got approximately 30% of our town identified critical facilities within that floodplain as well. So we have, we have quite a bit of infrastructure itself uh, at risk in just today's conditions. We know that continuing to emit greenhouse gas emissions will only exacerbate global warming and contribute to increasing this already incredible coastal risk that we face. It's a global issue, but as a region, uh, we should be contributing to the broad efforts to reduce emissions and slow that rate of climate change. And so through our recently completed regional greenhouse gas emissions inventory, we know more about the highest emitting sectors on Cape Cod and can develop actions and strategies to target reductions in those sectors, while also continuing to support the critical adaptation efforts necessary to address the climate impacts we face today. And so a climate action plan for the region will help to step forward a clear path and a framework for adapting to and mitigating the causes of climate change through development of specific and measurable actions and recommendations at a variety of scales. So Erin, what is the Cape Cod Commission's role in the creation of a climate action plan? Climate change impacts all communities on Cape Cod, and all communities are truly working to try to take action on this issue. 
However, it's an issue that spans town boundaries, and there are, are opportunities to really work more collaboratively across towns or as a collective region to develop and implement actions, as well as to secure resources necessary to implement those actions. As the regional planning agency charged with balancing environmental protection and economic progress, and really protecting the unique values of Cape Cod, the Commission is uniquely suited to support the region and its communities in addressing critical regional challenges. We've done this before. We've developed and continued to maintain a number of regional plans, including the Cape Cod Regional Policy Plan. And the Regional Policy Plan really provides the framework and basis for several other issue-specific plans. Some of the issue-specific plans we've developed to date and have been successfully implemented uh, include the Comprehensive Economic Development Strategy, the Regional Transportation Plan, and the Section 208 Area-Wide Water Quality Management Plan. The Commission has historically served as a convener of stakeholders on important issues that affect the region, and as a planning agency, we can provide the expertise and capacity to support extensive stakeholder processes, conduct research, analyze data, and develop resources to aid in the development of these regional plans. We'll lead a process that's data-driven, inclusive, and collaborative, and translate the feedback and information into an actionable strategy that can be measured into the future. So what is the timeline for the process, and and why was it important to kind of do some research on climate action plans from other areas? Climate change has been impacting the region for a long time. It's critical that action be taken on mitigation and adaptation now, so the timeline for development of the plan is on a fast track. Over the next three months, we'll be collaborating with stakeholders from across the region to identify and develop actions and strategies for inclusion in the Climate Action Plan. At the same time, we'll be working to make the greenhouse gas emissions inventory publicly accessible and finalize siting analyses for electric vehicle charging station infrastructure and industrial-scale solar installations. We'll be working with consultants to complete a fiscal and economic impact analysis, as well as a legal and jurisdictional review, among other efforts that will contribute to the complete Climate Action Plan. And we plan to have a draft of that plan complete in early 2021. And so when we started this process, we're aware that there are a lot of other climate action plans already out there. We thought it was important to review existing plans and look for frameworks or models that could be applied to Cape Cod. And where where others have done this well, we're looking to transfer ideas and methodologies. We looked at almost 50 plans and focused more specifically on 17 of those plans, primarily ones that included both adaptation and mitigation components. We looked at common themes, common components, who they engaged and how, as well as reviewed the variety of ways in which different plans set goals. And overall, it was an important effort to inform the way we structured our process, as well as begin to visualize the final products of that process. And so, Heather, I will bring you into the conversation. Tell us a little bit about that process for researching climate action plans. What criteria were you looking for? As Erin mentioned, the objective here really was to identify a comprehensive list of best practices in climate action plans. So we gathered 46 plans and evaluated them against a number of criteria, specifically how clear were they about who their collaborators were and the participating organizations, how broad was that participation, what was the details on their stakeholder process? Who, who did they engage and how? What goals had they set? And did they set goals or targets? And then how does the plan address the strategies that the community is trying to take? So as Erin also mentioned, we were looking for plans that address both mitigation and adaptation strategies. Mitigation, I might take a moment here just to define the difference between those things. Sure, please do. Um, Mitigation is really our efforts at limiting or preventing the greenhouse gas emissions and enhancing activities that remove those gases from the atmosphere, as compared to adaptation, which are adjustments in our 
human and natural systems that can moderate harm or take advantage of beneficial opportunities. So adaptation are really our ways of addressing the threats that we face and mitigation are those actions that we take to reduce the impacts on the changing climate. I think also part of what we were looking at in reviewing these plans was uh, those that were aesthetically pleasing. How did they engage the reader? You know, you want them to be easy to read, have great graphics. What could we learn from how the information was presented? And so what, what kind of things did you learn uh, through this research process? We identified a number of common elements which seemed essential to a climate action plan. You want to concisely describe the risks that the community faces. The risks in this case are the threats that the community faces from things like extreme precipitation, uh, storms that cause erosion, things like that. And you want to clearly explain what the vulnerabilities the community faces. How is the community threatened by the climate hazards? Climate action plans also typically have a greenhouse gas emissions inventory. You want to be able to establish a baseline of the sources of contributions that the community is making to global emissions. And these plans typically have goals. Um, the goals might include reducing emissions by a certain amount, by a certain date or they might also set interim targets. Typically, the point of these action plans is to take some action. So um, they identify adaptation strategies or measures to improve the community's resiliency to the threats that the community faces. And they typically also include policies to address mitigating our contributions to greenhouse gases. Sometimes some of these plans forecast the impacts of taking these mitigation actions. How can we see changes that might result from the actions we take? And then finally, the plans are going to make a number of recommendations for strategies for implementation. And so how will all of this research be used to develop Cape Cod's climate action plan? So we compiled all of our research on the 17 plans that we looked into in, in greater depth into a literature review um, and really created a library of resources. So we'll be looking for strategies and policies from other places that have relevance here on the Cape. There's no need to reinvent the wheel. Uh, we're looking to borrow the best ideas from other places in addition to identify our own strategies that make sense for our community. There may be insights into the stakeholder process that we can glean from these plans, who, how, and when stakeholders were engaged. And there are other considerations for trying to broaden our stakeholder process, like initiating a student climate ambassador program or strategies to make, more voices, make sure that more voices are heard and engaged through the process. There may also be insights in how information is presented. We have a great communications and graphics team at the Cape Cod Commission, but one idea I picked up from one of the plans was uh, sort of how the presentation of the path forward is made. And one plan in particular was just really positive on the fact that we can do this, you know, we can make changes. And I think that that's a, a really important element of this endeavor and the resulting product. Climate change is really daunting, but we can make a difference in ways large and small if we, you know, help to tell a positive story. I think it's about those achievable goals, right? And I love I love the telling a positive story. Looking at, at an issue as, as daunting as climate change and thinking about putting that positive spin on it and saying there are things that we can do as individuals, as towns, as regions, as a community, um, this is definitely uh, important. So thank you, Heather, uh, for your work on that research. 
Uh, let's bring in Sean O'Rourke. Um, Sean, you helped to, to create Rhode Island's uh, climate plan, Resilient Roadie. Uh, I took a look at it over the past couple of days. Um, definitely a, a really great plan, and it does incorporate some of those those graphics that Heather was talking about. Um, and really, the what I liked about it was there was a lot of plain language. I think sometimes you get into um, so much technical language in these plans that you forget that you want real people to read it. Um, so to be able to make it uh, scientifically viable as well as um, communicable to the general public um, is certainly important. So tell me, Ashan, a little bit about the process to create um, Resilient Roadie. No, thank you so much, Sarah. And uh, I'm just thrilled to be here with Aaron and Heather. Uh, in Rhode Island, we've been watching your work from afar for, for quite a while. And you're, just, you're doing national leading work on, on Cape Cod and thrilled that you know, you're going through this exercise now to to catalyze a resilient strategy and climate action strategy for, for Cape Cod and uh, would love to help in any way. Uh, and, and Sarah, to your point about clear communication matters was one of the, the biggest outcomes that we had uh, from the development of our, our resilient roadie strategy. Uh, so in September of 2017, uh, Governor Raimondo signed an executive order calling for the development of a statewide comprehensive climate resilience strategy. Um, we affectionately call that strategy resilient roadie, which you which you mentioned. The strategy builds on the governor's recognition that climate change is not only a future problem, but it is a, a now problem. Uh, and we really wanted also to have this strategy stand on the shoulders of uh, a lot of really great work that had already been done statewide. Heather and uh, and Aaron mentioned there's already been a lot of work done uh, across the country and locally, and we recognize that as well with the identification of about 54 plans, studies, processes that were already done by a number of agencies and nonprofit groups. We wanted to elevate all that great work into one central uh, kind of call for action, which was Resilient Roadie. Now, the governor gave us all of nine months to complete this strategy, which uh, is fast. And I know that uh, Heather and Aaron can probably uh, understand that that is really quick. Uh, but we delivered it uh, in partnership with over 50 working group members from across state agencies, academic partners, nonprofit organizations, uh, who are not only co-authors and kind of my quick people, uh, but real collaborators on making sure that every action we put in the strategy was implementable. Um, and we were focused on how do we drive that implementation forward. To get to that point, uh, we held a series of outreach meetings around the state, which we called Resilience Roundtables. We had over about 350 participants from coast to inland, urban to rural. Uh, we even took a trip out to Block Island, which was terrific. Uh, very different issues on Block Island than there are on some of the inland areas of Rhode Island. Each of these meetings were all hosted by local organizations, which I think was a big lesson learned for us in terms of generating support and buy-in from the local community and residents to actually show up to a meeting. Instead of the state coming in and hosting a meeting, it was hosted by an organization sort of on our behalf. Um, and that was, I think, a key outcome for us. Um, we also identified key local champions statewide, which are helpful in turning to implementation now, and they've really been our point people around the state. And then finally, we also found that it was really important to have all actions that you have across the various chapters. And we focused on things like natural systems and critical infrastructure and community preparedness and resilience. Uh, but we also wanted to make sure that we put the best available science and data so that we were leading with science and data right up front. And so we have a making the case for climate resilience chapter, which, you know, is very much aligns with what uh, Aaron and Heather were talking about. And that which makes sure that we're all singing off the same song sheet. We want to make sure that we're communicating the, the issues and impacts clearly. And we very much focus on the impacts that Rhode Island is seeing now not why climate change is happening, which we have a clear uh, scientific basis for that as well. But we focus on what is happening now in Rhode Island. The majority of the actions that we identified fall into three primary buckets. 
policies, projects, and programs. Um, and that has really tailored the implementation strategies that's come come from that. So what were some of the challenges, um, aside from that super tight timeline, right, um, that, that you faced yeah, right. uh, creating um, your climate action plan? Yeah, great question. There were a number of challenges. Uh, we continue to face challenges uh, with the implementation of the of the strategy. Uh, the first one, first and foremost, was that it's this climate change work and the impact the state is facing are truly statewide. We're the ocean state. 21 coastal communities. Uh, the majority of our economic impact abuts the ocean as well as Narragansett Bay. And those communities are particularly in tune with rising sea levels, increasing storm events. But many of the inland communities um, were not quite at the same level of having discussions around some of the impacts they're seeing uh, in their communities. And so how do we message the impacts of climate change as truly a statewide issue and how it's impacting every resident in Rhode Island was a key. Um, and so we wanted to make sure that this strategy was not just a coastal-focused strategy, what was an inland and coastal and truly a Rhode Island-focused strategy. A couple of the other challenges we, we saw were we produced this strategy with all with existing staff time, as well as with generous volunteer efforts from our statewide partners, you know, the academic as well as nonprofit side. So Finding ways to continue to keep them engaged and excited uh, was really key. And then trust between local communities and the state is something that um, all states deal with, is that finding those critical bridges or partnerships with local organizations to be able to not only identify and be able to learn from those local voices, but then how do we build that bridge to implementation has been, has been key. And then I guess maybe the, the last thing I would want to mention is that some of the challenges that we found on the implementation side is some of the actions that we put forward have been slowed down for things like staff capacity has been reduced, actions that we thought could be pushed through using existing policy mechanisms, maybe needed more legislation, which obviously is outside of our purview uh, from a state level, and then funding or was reduced or removed or changed or reallocated has slowed down some of the actions. Uh, but we've made progress on 51 of 61 actions uh, over the last year and a half. That's amazing. Um, and so that sounds like a success. Can you talk about uh, some of the successes um, that you've seen through the plan? Sure. I love the, the note earlier about kind of small measurable change and celebrating those small small wins. I think that's absolutely key when we're dealing with you know, kind of the crisis of our time uh, and sometimes can feel really daunting. Uh, but we've, we've had a few successes along the way. Uh, we'll kind of talk about uh, maybe the, some of the, the program development successes and then a couple of examples. So the first one is we recognize that across state agency, climate change is everybody's problem, so therefore it's nobody's problem. And there's only one person in state government right now that has climate change in their job title. And so we recognize we need to elevate this work on climate action and resilience into the existing job descriptions. And so we've identified 12 resilience coordinators from across state agencies that work on this type of, of, of work and have termed them climate resilience coordinators now. So now they have a defined reason to work on this effort. They're leaders already. They have the buy-in from their agency directors. And now we have a team of dedicated staff from across the agency bring a variety of expertise and perspectives and are now owning a handful of relevant actions inside of the strategy. And they're my point people. Now I have a person to call in, in an agency about, hey, how are we doing on those five or six actions that you said you were going to move in the next six months? So that's been one big success of kind of building the machine for implementation. Uh, I mentioned the 51 of 61 actions. The other identification of a need that we came up with, and this is something that very much aligns with Massachusetts, was that municipalities are on the front line. The state can do a lot in terms of implementation, can provide technical resources, funding, 
but it comes down to municipalities who own a lot of the assets at risk. And so uh, we looked around the region to say, hey, how, what are kind of models are out there with the state working with municipalities? And we were thrilled to see the municipal vulnerability preparedness program in Massachusetts. It's been widely successful. Uh, I know the number of the Cape Cod communities are participating. Uh, we Rhode Islandized that process uh, and are now delivering it in Rhode Island as a direct outcome of our resilient roadie process. We have over 35% of the state's municipalities now participating. It's a program between the infrastructure bank as well as the Nature Conservancy. And in one calendar year, municipalities are, are accepted into the program, have a community resilience building workshop uh, with the Nature Conservancy, prioritize projects, plans, policies emerge. And then the Infrastructure Bank is putting up action grant funding to actually implement on a series of very quick implementable projects. And so that's building bridges to municipalities. And, and it really is helping us build a statewide pipeline of projects as well, which will increase our advocacy with our legislature and congressional delegation. Now, we need more resources to do this work. And so, Sean, what advice would you offer organizations uh, who are creating a climate action plan? Yeah, uh, we've learned a few things. Um, I think having a clear owner and someone who is absolutely tasked with not just the planning, writing, but also the implementation is really key. And this is something I've seen in other states and cities is that sometimes the development of the strategy or plan lives in one place and the implementation is then owned by somebody else and there's not clear ownership. Uh, that ownership is really key. And I've been impressed by the infrastructure bank uh, in Rhode Island stepping up and kind of allowing allowing me to have my time to kind of play that role statewide. Uh, and there's a clear uh, focus on, on the implementation. Find those community champions uh, who can promote your work and be able to be a key advocate why this is important. And so you're not, always, you know, one person or one organization is not out there always saying the same thing. But if others can do that work for you, sometimes it can have more weight. And then finally, just be honest about, but ambitious uh, about what you can accomplish and always keep an eye on the implementation side. Um, and that is something that we were key. We recognize that 61 actions is a lot of actions now uh, that we have to put forward, all important. But thinking truly about what you can accomplish, what is your role, and do you have the resources to do so, all while being ambitious, I think is absolutely critical. Wonderful. Well, Sean, thank you so much uh, for being part of this conversation today. And thank you for all of your hard work uh, in the state of Rhode Island. It's, it's much appreciated. Thank you. We've been talking about creating climate action plans with Erin Perry, Deputy Director of the Cape Cod Commission, Heather McElroy, Cape Cod Commission Natural Resources Program Manager, and Sean O'Rourke, Stormwater and Resiliency Director for the Rhode Island Infrastructure Bank. Sean also serves as the Chief Resilience Officer to Rhode Island Governor Gina Raimondo and helped in creating the climate action plan for the state of Rhode Island. I am Cape Cod Commission Communications Manager, Sarah Colvin, and you are listening to the Cape Cod Climate Action Podcast. Find this and past episodes online. Visit capecodcommission.org.